Choose Linux, Episode 5, for March 21st, 2019. Hello and welcome to the show that captures the excitement of discovering Linux. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And here we are for episode five. And we've got quite a juxtaposition this time. We've got extreme pragmatism with gaming, and then we've got extreme, the other end of it, freedom with the Librem 15 laptop. So let's start with the gaming stuff. You have embarked on quite an ambitious mission to test games on a number of Linux distros. Yeah, this is probably the definition of biting off more than you should chew. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a quick 30-second backstory on this. So I published this article a few weeks back called Six Months Without Windows, The Ugly Truth About Gaming on Linux. And it wasn't as negative as it sounds, but... It was a critique of my gaming experience over the last six months using mainly Ubuntu, since that had been my daily driver since the start. I think there was something in the way that I framed it or in the tone that seemed to imply this is representative of all Linux gaming based on my experience on Ubuntu. And I got some criticism for that. So I kind of took a step back and I said, okay, let's let's think about this. How can I how can I address this criticism? How can I learn? And how can I turn this into something that actually helps people and, and that is meaningful? So I decided I'm going to test nine different distributions. And I'm going to test both native gaming in Steam and Proton gaming in Steam. And so I embarked on this insane journey to document the setup process, right? What does it take to get up and running with your AMD or NVIDIA drivers with Steam and with any little quirks or you know extra configuration that you need to just start playing. And so I decided to document that with this Linux gaming report, right? And uh, I started with Fedora, since it's the Fedora challenge this month. And then I went on to Pop! OS, and I've got seven left. <laughs> Debian, Solus 4, Manjaro 18, Linux Mint 19, Elementary OS 5, Deepin 15.9, and Ubuntu 18.10. So quite a lot of those are Ubuntu-based then. So presumably you'll have a reasonably similar experience. Although reading through your pop os experience that is very much based on ubuntu and very similar to it but you have had a fairly different experience there haven't you yeah that's pretty accurate it was much simpler to just get everything installed and start gaming on on pop os which surprised me coming from fedora coming from OpenSUSE. in ubuntu you have to go into additional drivers and then enable that third party repository so that it can then go out and get your proprietary NVIDIA driver. It didn't actually test this. I'd read about it, but I, I decided to actually test it. What's so bad about the open source NVIDIA driver, right? Why wouldn't I want to use that as somebody who likes open source software? How bad do you think this driver is? Well, I will tell you that it is absolutely fine for most things. For you? For a very long time, I had an NVIDIA card and used the Nouveau driver, the open source one, and was absolutely fine with it. That said, I never tried to play any games. Ah, okay. And you're you're totally right. Like if if you're not a gamer, 
you're good to go. You have an NVIDIA card, you install literally any Linux distribution, and you have the Nouveau driver built into the kernel, and you are good to go. Nothing at all wrong with it there. But I went ahead and installed Fedora, because I did Fedora and Pop! OS this week. I installed Fedora and decided, you know what, I'm going to run Dirt Rally at 1080p on ultra quality with the open source NVIDIA driver. My average frame rate for that benchmark was 16 frames per second. That's perfectly fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfectly fine. If you like slideshows and you're from the 50s, it's totally okay. Yeah. (laughs) Then I I went and enabled that third-party repository, grabbed the proprietary NVIDIA driver, and ran the same exact benchmark. 82 frames per second. Wow. So that's that's literally a 412% performance boost. <laughs> it's not even in the same universe. Yeah. I mean, it's not the fault of the Nouveau developers. They can only work with what they have. And if NVIDIA wants to keep all their secrets, what can they do? That's true. And I, I, don't, I don't mean to come across as bad-mouthing them. I mean, they're probably working miracles trying to reverse engineer some of these technologies and and at least, you know, get something that resembles an open source product for for NVIDIA users, right? Yeah, and as we said, if you're not playing games, then it's perfectly fine, but it's that gaming where you run into these issues. Yeah, so as I approach each distribution, I'm asking myself, what has to be done to get that proprietary NVIDIA driver in there? Because the AMD Mesa driver is great. It's performant, it's up-to-date, and it's in some cases for gaming is better than AMD's proprietary AMD GPU Pro driver. Wow. Yeah. So in a way, you would actually recommend an AMD card over NVIDIA then? I would. I I think that's the direction I'm headed as I keep exploring these distros is if you want to embrace open source and you want to have a built-in driver that just works and is always updated... Get into get a Radeon card, absolutely. Okay, but if you've got an NVIDIA card, then you're going to need to get these drivers. So Pop! OS, my understanding is that that stuff is enabled by default and you're just good to go. Sort of. Um, what's really interesting about what they do is they have two different ISO images. So when you go to the System76 website, you can choose between two installers. One is an AMD Intel and the other is NVIDIA. And what the NVIDIA one does is it installs the proprietary driver during the installation process. So you boot into Pop! OS and you have your you know, high-performance proprietary NVIDIA driver installed and ready to go. Which is, I mean, I think phenomenal considering people coming from Windows... Right? Either Microsoft is downloading, Microsoft's uh, Windows update is downloading some ancient WQHL NVIDIA driver, or you have to go to NVIDIA's website, download the installer, open it up, step through all the, the various setup screens. And so I think it's an underappreciated thing that you can install an operating system with a really great performant driver out of the box, ready to game. And that's what Pop! OS has. So what about Fedora? That has traditionally been very free software friendly. They've become more pragmatic in recent releases. It's not something I've ever tried, I don't think. 
because I've always just installed Fedora on Intel-only boxes, how difficult is it to get the relevant drivers there then? So on the NVIDIA side, Fedora makes it pretty straightforward to get your NVIDIA proprietary driver installed. All you need to do is the first time you open up the software center, you'll have this blue uh, banner that stretches across the screen saying, hey, would you like to enable third-party repositories? And while I hate that word, by the way, I hate the word repositories. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why, why, why can't we call them additional software sources? Or I, I just don't think that new users will have a clue what that means. But, you know, that's, that's me coming from the, the newbie perspective. Yeah, repository is just a word that's been around since the beginning yeah, of Linux. Yeah. And it's not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> it's not. So all you have to do is click yes. You enable that and then it shows you a list of all of the repositories, RPM Fusion, things like that. And it even says, hey, activate this one if you want stuff like Steam and the NVIDIA driver. And so it's not... It, it's not exactly intuitive, but it does present itself in front of you. You don't have to really get in there and dig for it or Google around for it, because the second you hit that software store, you'll be presented with that option. And then that leads you to discovering the availability of that driver. Yeah, I really do like the Fedora approach there, because you can just say, no thanks, free software only, and just be a freedom lover. Whereas if you want to be a pragmatist, then you just say, yes, please, and I think, I think that's a really great way of giving people that option. Yeah, I hadn't actually thought about it like that. But I do, I do like that approach. And, they, and, and what's cool is that once you do open up those third-party repositories, there's a ton of stuff. There's a ton of stuff that you can have access to. I think the real stumbling block on Fedora is actually Steam. It's not the drivers. Right, I was going to ask you about that, because I thought Steam was Steam, and I didn't realize there were different versions of it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So I have discovered this week that Steam is not Steam. The same way that I discovered, I was actually, I, I think I was doing a disservice to people when I said gaming on Linux. That's not descriptive enough, because people game on Fedora and Solus and Manjaro and Arch, and these all have such different procedures for getting up and running. There's certain practices and, and knowledge that you can apply across any distro, but when you really start getting into the finer details, they're a lot different. So Steam is not Steam. <laughs> Steam is, um, on Fedora, you can install the uh, Snap version of Steam. You can install the version from Flathub. You can install the version from RPM Fusion. So those are three options that you have. If you install the Flatpak version, now that's great because it's sandboxed and it will even download the latest driver for your graphics card and utilize that within that Flatpak environment, right? So any Flatpak apps that you're using, it will go ahead and apply the newest graphics driver instead of the one you have installed. Now I've just Googled Steam and gone to the download page, and I see if I mouse over it, I'm not going to download it, but there's a steam.deb. Now I'm on Zubuntu 18.04, um, and I know that they kind of officially support Ubuntu, but what happens, did you try just going to the, the Valve website? As much testing as I do, I've never actually done that, because the community, who I consider much more knowledgeable than than me, have always said, use your distributions version of Steam. 
because they package in certain things that make it more complementary for your distribution. A really good example of that is Pop! OS. It's a little thing, but their package of Steam actually installs the 32-bit and 64-bit Vulkan libraries that you need if you want to play Proton games. And Proton, as most people probably know, is Steam's fork of wine, which lets you install and run Windows-exclusive Steam games on the Steam for Linux client. So they took that little extra step so that you don't have to fire up a terminal and type sudo apt install mesa-vulkan-drivers, mesa-vulkan-drivers, colon i386, and so on, right? And it's those little steps towards simplicity that certain distributions will do. On Solus, which I just started tinkering around with today, they have a completely different app. It's a Steam Linux integrations app, and there's like eight different toggles. If you want to use the Steam runtime or use the distributions runtime, if you want to, just all these different things. And so it's looking to me like each distribution's approach to Steam has these little subtle variations that are meant to make the the user experience a bit better than just going and downloading the dev file. But from what I've seen you tweeting, it seems that Pop! OS is the easiest. And I know you haven't got all the way through all nine distros yet, but it seems like Pop! OS is going to be hard to beat in terms of simplicity. I mean, it was a four-step process. Install Pop, update Pop, install Steam, and play. Yeah. And that includes all the Windows stuff as well. Yeah, so that's going to be hard to beat. I was I was so pleasantly surprised by how simple that was. Pop OS versus Ubuntu, then, you'd say Pop OS is a no-brainer because it's when Pop OS first came out, there was a lot of criticism of System76, that it was a knee-jerk reaction to the end of Unity and to Ubuntu going over to GNOME, and people accused them of basically taking... Ubuntu and just skinning it to look like Pop! OS, giving it a stupid name with too much um, punctuation in it. Oh my god. You know, <laughs> after after writing a 2,000 word article and typing Pop! OS the proper way about 20 times, <laughs> my fingers hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. But, but they were accused of not really adding much value, but it seems that they have added a lot of pragmatic value. That It's certainly not a distribution for the freedom lover, but they have added a lot of value when it comes to things like gaming, right? When it comes to things like gaming, when it comes to just general ease of use and and having a, a nice, pleasant user experience. I actually, I would strongly disagree that they didn't add any value on top of what Ubuntu offers. Because number one, they play really well with hybrid graphics, Okay, the the type of, you know, you have laptops that use Intel integrated graphics and NVIDIA dedicated graphics. Pop! OS is the only distro I have personally tried that not only recognizes, but lets you switch between those on the fly. And then they have their CPU power extension, which lets you like adjust your CPU power envelopes and select um, minimum and maximum clock frequencies and that's built in, and it's great. It's a it's a boon for laptops, Joe. It's so awesome for laptops. <laughs> so yeah, and the things that they're doing with Steam, those little touches. 
So I think that they have added a lot of value. And I'm sorry to keep, I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but it actually, it frustrates me so much that Pop! OS seems to be marketed as an operating system to complement System76 hardware instead of an operating system that could be a mainstream Linux distro that everyone should use, especially beginners. I wish they would pour more marketing effort into it. Well, the purpose of it is to enable the System76 hardware to work as well as it possibly can do. And because they believe in open source, it means that we can all benefit from that. But I just don't think that their priority is people using PopOS on other hardware. It's just sort of a, a happy byproduct. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. And uh, obviously selling really great custom desktops and, and laptops is going to make a little bit more money than a free OS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, but like bottom line, props to System76 because this has actually become my daily driver, even though Ubuntu was my first love, as you guys know. Um, but I just, I love the simplicity of it and it looks good and it's fast and they just, they make onboarding very easy for, for newbies. Interesting. I'll have to give it another go. I don't really like GNOME, so it's probably not going to be for me, but, <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't really have any hardware that needs it. So yeah, maybe I'll just stick to Zubuntu. too. Big surprise, big surprise. You know what? We're going to force you one of these times to do a challenge with us. And that challenge is probably going to be something like Budgie or KDE, just something that's completely the opposite of what you're used to. Could we do maybe Manjaro with XFCE? <sighs> how about how about how about Manjaro with Deepin? That's what it is. If you guys want Joe to use Manjaro with Deepin for a month, uh tweet us at choose Linux. Yeah, and also dream on. <laughs> So uh, that brings us nicely then onto uh, the next thing we're going to talk about. You recently received Librem 15, the fourth iteration of that, which is a Purism laptop. And Purism are sort of ostensibly similar to System76 in that they sell laptops with Linux on them. Although System76 would say they sell laptops with Linux, Purism would say they sell laptops with GNU slash Linux. And that is the big difference here. Okay, ex explain that difference to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, people who call it Linux are generally more pragmatic. People who call it GNU slash Linux generally care much more about freedom, and they would talk about free software rather than open source. And it goes back to the whole Free Software Foundation, Richard Stallman situation. And I don't think we've got time to fully go into it. Maybe in a future episode we could discuss that. But what I'm getting at here is... System76 is all about pragmatism. It's about getting work done, playing your games, doing what you want with Linux because it is the best platform. Whereas Purism is much more marketed at the kind of people who would never install a proprietary driver, would want everything to be as free software as possible, and are coming at this thing from the ideological perspective rather than the pragmatic one. They might admit that Windows or macOS is a, a better operating system to get things done, but they would never use it because it's not free software. I mean, the chances are they'd probably say it was better as well, but, you know, it, it's, it's not about being the best tool for the job. It's about being free. That explains why I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how to even install Steam on PureOS, which is their <laughs> operating system. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that would explain it. Yeah. So PureOS is based on Debian, so you could probably follow some guides there and, and get it done. But yeah, they are not going to facilitate the installation of proprietary software. It's just not what it's about. What it does seem to be about is privacy. A lot of their marketing seems to revolve around these, especially on the Librem line of laptops, seems to revolve around these hardware kill switches. In an, in an age where, you know, we know what's happened with Amazon Assistants and Google and Facebook, and it's not exactly just relegated to tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists these days. These are real concerns. And so they have these two kill switches on the side of the Librem 15, which just flick it and it will, on a hardware level, disable your wireless and Bluetooth. And then the other switch will disable your webcam and microphone. Yeah, which is a nice touch because everywhere I go, I see people with something stuck over the <laughs> webcam on their laptop. Yeah, my, my brother-in-law actually does that. And he's running Debian, but he still does it. Wow. I suppose we should talk about the hardware just a little bit. I've only had, full disclosure, I've only had about 24 hours with it. It made the long and arduous journey from the States all the way to Croatia. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I got it and it, it got here in one piece. So that's, uh, that in itself is kind of a blessing. Uh, so I've spent 24 hours with it and I have a few thoughts and some are positive and some are not as positive. On the positive side, one thing I absolutely love after using just all kinds of Lenovo's and Dell's and Alienware's and HP's this thing is completely devoid of branding. It's just a black slab of metal. There's no stickers. There's no Intel Core i7 Intel inside NVIDIA GeForce stickers. There's nothing. It's just a sleek black chassis. And uh, when you open it up, it has this really nice um, white backlighting under the keyboard. And it has this silver trim around the black touchpad. And it really, it's a nice accent. It really makes it pop. And then they've done some little little touches that I appreciate, like um, there's a lip that kind of extends out on the top lid so that it makes it easier to actually open the laptop without looking. You just run your thumb along there, you kind of feel that, that lip that protrudes out and you lift it up. Nice little, nice little touch. Uh, we didn't mention that this is a 15.6-inch laptop with an i7 and 8 gigs of RAM. But um, you can check out the specs on the the Purism website. We'll link to that. But looking at that website, there's something wrong with these photos. There appear to be four USB-A ports and a USB-C port and full-size HDMI and a card reader and a headphone jack. That can't be right. That's too many ports. <laughs> well, it's certainly a lot more variety than my XPS 13, which is why I... I lose my mind if I uh, misplace one of my adapters. Yeah, no dongles needed for this. No, it has it has great connectivity, and it's really great to see the full-size HDMI out. It's great to see both USB-C and traditional USB. So what about screen and keyboard? Yeah, so the screen is 15.6 inches. It's a 4K display, so 3840 by 2160. Um, full-size keyboard, including a a 10 key number pad, which is great. Nice. And um, what I can say about the keyboard that I 
like is there's just the right amount of spacing between the keys so your your hands don't feel cramped when you're typing. But it doesn't have the kind of travel that you might be used to if you're a ThinkPad fan or even if you use an XPS 13. It's they're a little bit more plasticky and not quite as much travel, not quite as soft touch to the to the fingers. And what about consistency? That's the really interesting thing. So as you're typing, you know, your normal letter keys feel great. But then when you get over to your tab, caps lock, shift, those seem to feel different on your fingers. Um, different sound when you click them and different resistance. And I, I can't figure out why that's happening. Hmm, that's a bit strange. It is. It's not not my favorite keyboard. Could I comfortably sit down and write an article? Yes, I actually I actually did that with the Pop OS. I wrote that from start to finish on the on the Librem 15, and it was fine. It's just those little things that if you're someone who has to sit there and type all day long, uh, I don't know if this would be your first choice. And this is not a cheap device. This is premium price. We're talking $1,500 plus, depending on the spec that you go for. So this is really competing at least price-wise with the XPS machines, MacBook Pros. We're into that kind of territory. And so it does have a lot to live up to in terms of the build quality and things like the keyboard being consistent and solid. I think you and I would agree, uh, even without you touching this keyboard, that it is superior to 2016, 2017, 2018 MacBooks. Well, that's not very difficult, to be fair. <laughs> that's, not, that's not hard to accomplish. Um, again, I, I hesitate to level any kind of judgment after 24 hours. It looks and feels like a premium laptop. But I don't know if the hardware that's inside justifies the price. I feel like with Purism, you might be paying more for ideals than you were paying for hardware. Well, definitely. You're paying for those kill switches for a start, but you're also paying for the R&D that's gone into making these machines as free software friendly as possible. Because apart from some of the Intel management engine stuff that's just proprietary and staying that way, they are pretty much as free as you're going to get unless you go for one of those refurbished Core 2 Duo um, ThinkPads, which are completely free software friendly and even Richard Stallman would use it. So if you want something that is even vaguely modern and is freedom respecting, then this is pretty much your best bet. I mean, you said that they go for this privacy angle, right? But you can't really have true privacy without having completely free software because if you've got proprietary software that you don't know what it's doing, then you can't be private necessarily. And so the two go hand in hand, and that's very much their mission. And so that's why you're paying a premium. I mean, and you are paying a massive premium for this. There are similar machines from System76 and Entryware and various other companies that spec for spec are significantly cheaper. But that's not Purism's business model. They're asking people to pay a premium for ideals, as you say. You know what? This raises an interesting question. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with Purism, but I know they are developing a phone as well that's been somewhat delayed. Somewhat delayed, yes. They originally said that they would ship it in January of this year when they did their crowdfunder. 
And now they've said that it's going to be in Q3 of this year, which means July at the absolute earliest. So at least six months late, which is not unusual for a crowdfunder. And they've documented why they're behind schedule with it. There are some people who are very skeptical that it will even ship this year. I'm somewhere in the middle. I think that it'll probably be maybe towards the end of Q3, maybe early Q4, I don't know. Uh, But yeah, that again is a very ambitious thing that they are attempting there. They're attempting to do a phone that is running completely free software. But there's another element to it, right? There's pure OS. The question I want to ask you is about their idea of convergence. Yeah, well, that's what they're aiming for. And GNOME is improving to the point where you can resize applications and they'll kind of dynamically adjust, much like web design has that these days. You know, there used to be like M. versions of websites, but that's kind of going away or gone away to, to a large extent, where now you just have one um, responsive, adaptive website. And that's what Grime is heading towards. And so Pure OS is going to be running on this phone. And in theory, it's the same OS that's running on that laptop that's sitting in front of you and this phone. Aha. So does the Librem 15 become more valuable to the user who also wants the Librem phone? Yes. Okay, okay. I can see a lot of appeal in having my, you know, completely open source, freedom-respecting, privacy-respecting phone and laptop with the same OS and all of that synergy that comes along with it. I think that's perhaps their their end game, their, their big picture. Yeah, that's totally what they're about. And if you speak to Todd, the CEO, that that's his, his end game, definitely, is to give people the chance to have uh, devices that will run applications across them convergently, whatever, if that's a word. and <laughs> Convergently. Yeah, and have that hardware that respects your freedom. But you're going to pay a premium for that. And you'll always pay a slight premium for smaller manufacturers and sellers of laptops uh, rather than a a Dell or a Lenovo of the similar spec. But with Purism, you're paying a premium on top of that as well. And, you know, I don't want to go on too much about it, but it is an awful lot of money. And so that's why I don't think I would recommend it to the average person. Whereas System76 or Entryware, I feel like I could recommend that. But I think you have to care about this stuff to want to buy anything from Purism. I'll tell you what, I'll spend another couple weeks with it since I've only had really 24 hours. And uh, maybe on episode six, we can revisit this and I'll give you some more uh, impressions after I've spent a fair amount of time with it. Yeah, sounds good. Well, if you want to get episode six and all the future episodes, go to choosethenix.show slash subscribe and you'll find the various podcast players and RSS feed and everything there. And go to choosethenix.show slash contact if you want to get in touch with us. And if you want to talk to us on Twitter, you can find me at KillYourFM. And I am at Joe Ressington. We'll be back in two weeks with more exciting discoveries. Thanks for listening. See you later. See you later.